The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Rev. Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and good to be with you, Percy. I'm looking forward to our conversation here today. Absolutely. I enjoy when it's just you and I, my friend, where we can talk heart-to-heart, breath-to-breath, and face-to-face. You are the guest today. I have some questions to ask of you. I'm ready. Fire. Let's go. We're going to talk about proactive cancer care. How do I... Come alongside someone who's on a cancer journey. What specifically can I do? So let, let's generally talk about that for a moment. This, this should be a meaningful conversation, absolutely. All right. Tell me, how do we start? What, what do we say to someone when they first say, hey, I, I've got cancer? Well, I think what's very important, and again, this type of conversation can feel a bit intimidating. So I want everyone to listen well because, again, it's natural to, to wonder what you should or should not say and how you should or should not approach an individual. But what's going to be very important first and foremost is to be natural, to be yourself. Uh, if you are engaging with a cancer patient and this is an individual that you know, again, don't pretend to be someone else. Be who you are. That's who they know. Uh, first rule of thumb that I've learned that if a cancer patient allows you access into their world, they share different things or begin in a conversation with you, they've already uh, made a decision to trust you. Yeah, they're revealing something very important to them, aren't they? That is correct. And so they are trusting you. They know you. They believe in you. So be you. Be who you are within the context of that. But don't uh, come to the table with a, a pre-inscribed idea of what you should or should not say. First and second or second rule here is allow the patient to dictate the terms of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So you really need to allow them to kind of give you a sense of where do they want to go, how how deep onto the pool they want you to actually swim in. So you're going to have to allow them to kind of talk with you a little bit and talk to you. Now, you've learned this because you've been living this for a long time. Well, 21 years, my friend. And, and again, uh, I've learned some painful lessons along the way. Uh, but again, what comes from that is allowing, again, the experience of the circumstance of the situation to kind of dictate the terms of the conversation. So that's the first thing. Be yourself. All right. Allow the patient to begin to tell you or or venture into areas of what, what what is of interest to them. You may ask some leading questions initially, but you need to really do more listening than you do talking. We'll go deeper on all this in just a moment, but uh, let's open with a scripture verse. Yeah, the scripture that I think is going to be really important to help establish this for us as believers is found in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 5, and it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. That can guide us in how we respond to those who reveal that they have cancer. All right, we'll talk more about this with Percy here on the program here today. And by the way, everything we talk about is going to be summarized in a document that you can download from our website. So that'll make it as easy as possible. You don't even have to take notes on this conversation today. The notes are all prepared for you at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Look for ways to respond to cancer patients at healthhopeandinspiration.com. More with Percy McRae coming up in a moment.
If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Care that never quits. Glad you're with us for a very important conversation today on health, hope, and inspiration. What do you say? How do you respond to someone who reveals that they are on a cancer journey? I'm Wayne Shepherd with Percy McRae, and Percy, sometimes we try to say too much, don't we? Well, again, you're exactly right. We should be mindful that less is more, for sure. Uh, I always use this school of thought. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Uh, I think that we should do exactly the proportion of those body parts. That's how we should proceed in communicating with individuals. We should do much more listening than we do more talking and speaking. So, again, less is definitely more. So keep it simple. Keep it simple and allow, again, the terms of the dictation of the conversation to flow theoretically from that person that you're speaking to, first and foremost. Maybe keep it simple and sincere. Well, Obviously, there should be no conversation in this context uh, of discussion and dialogue that doesn't have a sense of sincerity to it. And again, that that may sound simple, but uh, one of the things that I've trained over the years and shared with churches and leaders is, for example, if you're having a bad day, if you're struggling with some some dynamics of your own, you're not you're not going to be fully present in that type of conversation, which thoroughly means that you're not as sincere as you need to be. You're just kind of placating the scenario out of duty and obligation. That's not fair to the person that you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to be fully present, which will allow you fundamentally to be very sincere and genuine. Do we need to ask their permission to share what they have shared with us? I think it is important to understand that uh, ultimately we need to continue to maintain the trust factor with people that we talk to. So we need to establish some rules of engagement and parameters of understanding what you can and cannot and what people would like for you to share. I'll give you a perfect example. There was someone not that long ago that uh, I've known who was diagnosed with cancer, and there was an external community of other individuals who knew this person as well. And I was not absolutely sure if they had shared with that group of people that they had cancer. Mm -hmm. And so we all knew each other, and they asked me specifically, is there something going on with, we'll call a Carol. Is there something going on with Carol? And I said, well, what do you mean is there something going on with Carol? And I knew that they were trying to get to some other information that I was not given permission by Carol to share. You were honoring your friendship. So I did not share that information and then turned back to Carol later and asked her, I said, would you like for me to share information to individuals who are inquiring? And then she gave me the parameters of who she would like to have that information uh, disseminated to. So that's an example of getting permission. Well, having said that, sometimes it is easier for someone who's on a cancer journey to share with us so that we will share it with others that they don't really want to talk with about it. And so now we have another dynamic that's in play then 
uh, individuals who are experiencing a cancer journey certainly would feel that having other individuals share that information on their behalf, first of all, is just is less mentally and emotionally taxing at the end of the day so that they don't have to share the same story and the same information multiple amount of times with different individuals, allowing the the word of mouth network, if you will, to kind of help do that on their behalf uh, for some individuals does work for them and they are comfortable with that. But again, we need to get their permission to do so. Yeah, and we've touched on this, but you have to be real. And you you can't uh, say, oh, you're going to be just fine. I just know you're going to get through this. Everything's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think that cancer patients can read through inauthentic conversation and communication. Uh, Cancer patients can smell your fear, and they can smell your insincerity at the end of the day. So, again, you want to be hopeful, and you want to be upbeat, but you want to be realistic as well and not appear to just kind of read off of a script because, again, they'll be able to see that, and they'll be able to feel that that's not genuine and it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. Very often, I'm sure it's true that someone who's been diagnosed with cancer chooses to reveal it to someone who's already been on a cancer journey themselves. One of the dynamics of what we've done at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America over the years is we've created a network of cancer patients who are equipped to talk to other cancer patients, and it's called the Cancer Fighters. And it's a very interesting dynamic because what happens there is there's the ability to commiserate with others who, in theory and principle, are and have experienced some of the things that that you are or will experience, and it creates a sense of community. One of the things that happens with with the cancer community is that cancer patients feel isolated. They feel like they're outside of the quote-unquote norm of a community because they've lost their hair or they may have lost a body part or whatever their particular cancer experience may be and are not necessarily comfortable with talking with individuals in that regard. But talking to others who have also kind of walked that path really does create a very unique, empowering community. So connecting cancer patients with other cancer patients can be very positive and helpful for them. So there's something to be said about that. I'm sure that many well-intentioned people use Scripture immediately, and you have to be careful. I mean, Scripture is powerful and appropriate, but it has to be in season, doesn't it? You bring up probably one of the most insightful things for people to understand that are abused on a regular basis. As spiritual uh, individuals, as believers, we tend to go right to the Word of God, and we can we can use the Word of God in an abusive way. And, and this is what I mean by that. In some cases— Cancer patients are just not mentally and emotionally ready to kind of just jump right into the word and just get real deep and real spiritual at that moment. And not understanding the timing of that really then can be a disservice because for that person, what they may process is, oh, here we go. We're going to start preaching at me right now. And right now, I don't want to be preached to. I'm feeling bad or I feel lonely or or whatever their feeling or dynamic is that they just simply need someone to kind of be present. I think that one of the most uh, important uh, gifts that you can bring to the table is your availability, being available, being present, and then allowing a very natural and organic conversation to unfold where then scripture and spiritual concepts can be melded into that discussion then is a is better received ultimately in the long run. Yeah, don't try to force scripture into the situation and thinking you're doing something really good. Because again, uh, people theoretically feel like that they're being preached to 
or being preached that. And at that moment, they may not feel very receptive to that. And we want our visit to be receptive, no matter how well intended. Ultimately, we need that to be received and people can turn off and shut down from different things that just simply doesn't hit them correctly, depending on how they feel, their mood and the physical state of being. Percy, we all have different personalities and sometimes people try to use humor to diffuse the tension of a cancer diagnosis, whether it's the patient or the person who's being told that their friend has cancer. Uh, What are some uh, caveats when it comes to the use of humor? Humor can be a very important uh, mechanism, as we know, uh, even within the framework of just who we are as in, in general, humor has a benefit and a value. The Word of God tells us that humor and laughter does good like a medicine. A merry heart does good like a medicine. And, you know, I've been told, and again, this is not necessarily scientific information, but there are those who suggest that, you know, when you smile and when you laugh, it produces other kind of uh Endorphins, Endorphins, yes. Uh That allows you to feel, you know, uh, a little lifted and a little bit better at the end of the day. And so there is a proper place for humor. Again, just like anything else, uh, there can be something that can be abused, misused, and misapplied. But I think certainly, by and large, there's a time and a place that we can apply uh, elements of humor to add some levity to the situation. In many cases, cancer patients don't want to always talk about their cancer. They want to talk about other things. And to be able to kind of provide, if you will, for lack of a better word, a type of distraction, an ability to laugh at their scenario, mm-hmm. at their circumstances, can really do uh, do them very well. As a matter of fact, uh, there are those that suggest it requires uh, more muscles in your face to frown than it does to laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I certainly think that there's probably something to be said about that just in terms of an overall affect of feeling, mood, and emotion transition. All right. Another reality of cancer is that many times it can change a person's appearance. Not always. It's not always evident, but many times um, commenting on that appearance. What is your advice about that? Well, for sure, what happens with cancer patients is that they can go through a transformation. Uh, Just as simple as much as losing weight, uh, you know, looking thinner, uh, looking emaciated, think the word is cachectic is that that is used in the world of nutrition where again there's just this tremendous weight loss that then begins to affect how you look loss of hair uh, eyebrows uh, body parts ultimately cancer patients are are attacked physically and and can become very conscious of their look and their appearance i think that it's certainly Again, genuinely and authentically, when one is engaging with a cancer patient and you see them and, and, and they're looking well and they're looking healthy, to make reference to that can be a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it can also be misused and misapplied. I think that people do not want to be placated, but to be able to suggest and say, hey, you, you really look well. It's good to see you. You're, you have good color in your skin or whatever. Again, just as we do when we're out socializing yeah. with each other, you know, I think it is, a, is applicable. Yeah. Don't be phony about it. No, don't be phony and don't and don't exaggerate, you know, uh, that situation, but be authentic and genuine. But again, I don't think that we should overdo it so that people begin to become more self-conscious of their thoughts and their looks so that at that point, they're really focusing on that more than they actually were before you even made the comment. Well, God has really caused you to be an encourager of so many, and you've learned uh, through life as well how to respond to these situations. And we want to learn more from you about this. Uh, Again, let me point uh, our listeners to our website where we've put together this document called 
called Ways to Respond to Cancer Patients. Very helpful. It includes much of what we talked about today and perhaps even a little bit more. And you'll find that online at healthhopeandinspiration.com. You can download it and print it right now. Share it among your friends who are trying to uh, deal with how to respond to a cancer patient. Uh, Download it at healthhopeandinspiration.com. More coming up with our host, Percy McRae, on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Care that never quits. So glad to have you alongside today listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. If you don't know, we're here each week at this time. And this program is archived on our website as well, healthhopeandinspiration.com. So spread the word that this radio program is available to offer some help and hope and inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae. Once again, Percy is Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Years of pastoral counseling experience at CTCA, and uh, always good to talk with you, Percy. It's good to be here, and this is an important subject, so I'm glad that we're really having this dialogue. Yeah, we've talked about some important things, and there's much more to talk about, but let's let's share some actual phrases that we might use, because we do feel uncomfortable sometimes in knowing how to respond when the news hits us that a, a friend or a loved one has cancer. Indeed. Again, let's be clear. It's okay for one to feel uncomfortable because we're really trying to empower our audience today to work through the challenges and the dynamics of having a discussion on how to respond to one who has cancer. But first and foremost, understand that you need to respond from your heart. Be genuine, authentic, and respond from your heart. And some things that you certainly can say and you can offer in the midst of uh, allowing filler of the, the patient to help you with the next set of conversation would be, I'm not really sure what to say, but I want you to know that I care. That is a real, authentic place. It's not a fearful statement. It's it's a statement of allowing, I think, to dissipate some of the discomfort that may come in the midst of a conversation with a cancer Again, patient. I'm not sure what to say, but I want you to know I care. Again, People want to know that you care about them. And though you may be unsure of what to say or do, you're acting upon your desire to support them by saying, I care for you. And that goes a long, long way. All right. Some other suggestions? Again, I am sorry to hear that you are going through this. Again, just basically uh, associating with that person's uh, scenario and situation. Now, here I want to be clear. Patients do not want your sympathy. They don't want you to pat them on the head and say, oh, poor old me, oh, poor old thing. But they do want 
you know, it's important for them to hear that you are understanding uh, what they may be going through, that you're affirming the fact that you're in pain or you're affirming the fact that you're having difficulty. That's different. So there's being there's there's the mechanism of being empathetic versus being sympathetic. Cancer patients in many cases do not want your sympathy, but they will receive an empathetic voice and an empathetic heart. And you have to really sense the situation, whether your questions become probes that they don't want to answer or whether they demonstrate care and concern. And that's why you you need to be very mindful, again, how much of the talking you are doing and allowing the patient to give you a sense of where to go, how far to go, and how deep to go uh, in that discussion. And so it's important to allow them to dictate the terms of that. So questions like, how are you doing are okay? How are you doing is a great opening statement or opening question. Again, it, it allows that patient to see how much they want to share with you. So how are you doing today? Well, you know, then they've got a decision to make on, do I go into the depth of what I'm, how I'm feeling? Do I just give them a real, you know, kind of shallow answer? It allows them to set the terms of the conversation. I I like the statement, please let me know how I can help. But at the same time, Sometimes you have to sense. They're not going to ask, but you just have to sense that they need your help. Many cancer patients, quite frankly, and this is interesting, will not ask for help, uh, particularly male patients. Many men simply will not reach out to say, I need help or that I am struggling. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, well, and <laughs> so it's important to understand some of those dynamics. So, again, to put that out there, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I've just had a recent family member of mine, uh, though they were not going through a, a cancer diagnosis, went through a health scare and was in the hospital and had some things that took place and actually had a surgery. And uh, I reached out to him, and we're a similar age. And again, the first conversation was very general. I wanted to get a sense of where he was and what he was thinking and feeling, and he didn't give me much. And so on the second conversation is when I offered to help. And when I did that, that loosened that conversation up and it permitted him to then offer back to me in response. But he would have never provided me some specific information had I not first made the invitation. Well, these things that we're talking about, again, are available for you to download as a readable document, a downloadable document, Ways to Respond to Cancer Patients. It's available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. You can print it out right now and even follow along as we talk about these things. How do I overcome feeling uncomfortable when I'm around a person who has cancer? It's a great question. I think first and foremost, acknowledging the fact that that there is a discomfort, just coming to terms with that and acknowledging that. But also, I think that you can share with the cancer patient, particularly if you know them. See, again, there's a difference if you know them versus someone that you're you're just talking to. Uh, from a different perspective. And and by and large, if there is someone else talking to a cancer patient who is not in an intimate relationship with them, there's probably a professional conversation. And those individuals theoretically are not necessarily uncomfortable talking with cancer patients. That's what they do for a living. But for those of us that are friends and family members, those are the people who really struggle. I think that we need to share and be open with them that, you know, I'm I'm trying to come to terms with my comfort level on, on what to say and, and how to engage a conversation with you. And I just want you to know, again, that my genuine sincerity is here is to connect with you and to care for you. But t- kind of talk about that and, and, and kind of dissipate that a little bit 
And I think the cancer patient in many cases will give you permission to feel uncomfortable. And they may even actually say, well, that's okay. I'm just glad that you're here today. Thanks for calling me. Thanks for spending time with me, which then helps to unfold other levels and layers of conversation that theoretically can be had there. Let's return to the scriptures, our guide here, as we talk about this today. Our spiritual nugget and our closing scripture for the day is found again in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verses 5. And it basically tells us this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. God will provide to us what we need when we need it. Verse 6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not by the letter, but by the spirit for the letter killeth but the Spirit giveth life. We need to remember, based upon this scripture, whatever our aptitude and ability, our discomfort is, the Spirit of God is going to make us able ministers and provide us the wherewithal to do what is needed and necessary for that person at that time in that situation. To receive a copy of Ways to Respond to Cancer Patients, simply go to our website, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Percy, great conversation, important conversation today. Thank you. Again, another conversation that we will continue to have as we continue to support this community. This has been Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease. Evidence-based therapies like nutrition, naturopathic medicine, and pastoral care to maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Cancer Treatment Centers of America care that never quits.